We've been studying the book of Psalms and Psalms has been such a timely book for us as a church. I know that God's word is a living word. And so whenever we study it, it, it applies to what we're going through as a church. Just like when we studied Ephesians, it was applicable there, but it just feels like Psalms has been uh, perfectly placed during this time, not only in our nation's history, but in our church's journey. Uh, to speak to us and care for us. And so we have this titled series called The Soundtrack of a Godly Life. And we, we're, we're doing that because psalms are poetic in nature and they're created for worship. They were created to be sung. They're created like a song. And so we've been looking at the soundtrack of a godly life because there's different types of psalms to help you be, to be able to engage with God and for God to speak to us. And so those six categories of Psalms are hymns, laments, songs of thanksgiving, songs of confidence, divine kingship songs and wisdom songs. Hymns are typically done when there's just everything's going right and you just wanna celebrate the Lord. But laments are conversely on the opposite end of that. Laments are when just it seems like the world is just in shambles and you just need to cry out. But then there's songs of confidence where, yeah, the world is kind of jacked up, but but, you know, things are just going to get better. So there's these different types of psalms and God has been walking with us and caring for us through our different study of psalms. And today. We are going to dive into the psalm category of wisdom. Will you pray with me? Lord, we are grateful. We're grateful for you working through people like our entire tech team, like Mike and Alicia. Mike's been given way more time to the worship team during this COVID season. And God, we're just so grateful for him. Grateful for him setting a an atmosphere of worship, and we're going to continue in a time of worship as we preach your word. Remove me out the way, God, so that people may hear from you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'll uh, I, I'll share with you, I'm one of the weird ones. Like when I go to get Chinese food, I actually love eating the fortune cookies. I know some people don't like that shiny film that's on them, but I love eating the fortune cookies. It's a little little treat for me every time I go to get me a little bit of General Tso's chicken. And so when I go, there's always that little piece of little piece of paper inside, right? The little the, the little fortune. Here's some some interesting fortunes that I that I've seen. One says, courage is not simply one of the virtues, but the form of every virtue at the testing point. Another fortune says, your road to glory will be rocky, but fulfilling. Another one says, don't worry about money. The best things in life are free. You see, a fortune cookie isn't, and a little fortune is not a book by which it's very exhaustive and really long. And you're supposed to like get all of this like great depth no, a fortune cookie just hits you with like sharp, quick truths that they want you to be able to say, oh, I might want to live my life by that. That's how we're going to dive into understanding the genre of wisdom. Wisdom psalms 
are short truths that are to be sharp, quick, and give you a sense of living out the gospel, but in a quick fashion. So if you would, please turn with me to Psalm chapter 37. Now, typically, uh, I, I don't read like all of the Psalms. Don't worry, we're not going to do Psalm 119. I got you. I save you. But, uh, but God's word is the most important aspect of everything that happens here. So while I'll be doing some reflecting on it and some celebrating of God, I want to make sure you hear God's word clearly. And so please uh, kind of journey with me as we read Psalm 37, which is a little bit longer uh, than usual. But I pray these sharp words of wisdom will, will, will hit you and encourage you. Psalm 37, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good and dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you will look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose way is upright. Their sword shall enter their own heart and their bows shall be broken. Better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless and their heritage will remain forever. They are not put to shame in evil times. In the days of the famine, they have abundance, but the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures. They vanish like smoke. They vanish away. The wicked borrows, but does not pay back. But the righteous is generous and gives. For those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way, though he fall. He shall not be cast headlong for the Lord upholds his hand. I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. Turn away from evil and do good. So so shall you dwell forever for the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom and his tongue speaks justice. The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. The wicked watches for the righteous and seeks to put him to death. The Lord will not abandon him to his power or let him be condemned 
when he is brought to trial. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. I've seen a wicked, ruthless man spreading himself like a green laurel tree, but he passed away. And behold, he was no more. Though I sought him, he could not be found. Mark the blameless and behold the upright, for there is a future for the man of peace. But transgressors shall be altogether destroyed. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. The word of the Lord, the word of the Lord. What makes this, this genre so, so unique? Got some sharp truths that are supposed to come and connect with us. But one thing that makes the wisdom Psalms, just like the other wisdom literature that you find within the Bible, is that God is presenting us with a choice. God is presenting us with a choice, with an option. God says there is a way to live. There is a way that is right. There is a way that the evil conduct themselves, the way that the evil live. It may even seem like the evil is prospering, but there is a way that is right that the Lord declares. And you have a choice. We have a choice. And so every time we get a chance to connect with God's word and his text and hear from him, God is saying wisdom is found when you choose to do what I say. If you want wisdom, you make the right choice. And so while that chapter was pretty long, I'm not going through the whole chapter, but but Tony Evans helps me sum up uh, the chapter in kind of like four sections. Section uh, seven through 15 is, is basically saying focus on God. Put your focus on God. You don't need to fret. If you look at verse seven, it says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. I've, I've, I've seen this in my own life where I take my gaze off of God and I start looking at other people. Or I ask one of my children to do something. I say, hey, can you go do this? And they say, well, what about this person? Why, what, what they got to do with what I'm asking? you to do God's saying keep your focus right here verses 7 through 15 then you go to verses 16 through 28 God is saying a little bit of God is better than a whole lot of you have in the world a little having a little bit of God is better than you having a whole lot of the world better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of the many wicked I've I've come to understand this even when my wife is cooking. With, with some seasonings, she's like, getting it in there. Yeah, we like flavor in the crib. You know what I'm saying? Still going with the pepper, still going with the pepper. You know, but sometimes it might be something like cumin or I don't know. I shouldn't even act like I understand ingredients. But sometimes it's just a little, doop, little, little pinch. Goes a long way. Has a large impact on the, on the flavor of that thing. God is saying, 
choosing the right way with me will have you in a far better place, is far more powerful, has far more potency than even what it looks like choosing to roll with the, with the world. And then verses uh, 29 to 40 says, God will care for the righteous. God will care for the righteous, that, that your, your righteous being, God has made you into his daughter and his son, that he is going to care for us to the end of time. So today he wants to enter in, might be enter in and change your situation, might be enter into you in the midst of your situation. But, but don't forget, evil does not get away with it. God will judge all things and there is an eternity at stake and evil does not win. And so God wants us to focus on him, to know that a little bit of him is better than having a lot of the world and that he will care for the righteous. But for our time, for our focus, I want to focus on just the first six verses today. And, and specifically, I'm going to be looking at verse five for the most part but but the first six verses say fret not yourself because of evildoers do not be envious of wrongdoers basically don't you worry don't be tripping don't don't get rattled because the evildoers seem like they're getting ahead for they will soon fade like grass and wither like the green herb but you trust in the lord and do good I love that that what God constantly sees married together is a, a mental aspect, a faithful aspect, and an action. Trust me. Believe in me. I've made you righteous. Now go and do justice. Go and be righteous. Go and do good. Married together. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. But look at look at verse five with me. It's a simple verse. But if you but but if you gloss over it too quickly, you'll miss the profound implications of what's being said in three small phrases it says commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. Commit means to, to pledge to something, to, to bind yourself to something, to make yourself be so connected to that thing that, that, that it is a part of you. And, and this time, this word commit is used in the, the cow imperative. Y'all don't know what that means. I barely get my mind wrapped around it. But uh, I went to seminary, so every time, every now and then I try to use it. So Cal imperative is a command that God gives, but the command is ongoing. It's not completed right then. So just like if my if, if, if two kids are fighting and one hits another kid, you say stop. But if the kid hits him again, you don't want to keep saying stop, hit him again, stops. No, when I said stop the first time. It was something that you were to continue to stop doing. 
like 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 I uh, I had some some health issues some time ago with my cholesterol. I say some time ago, not because I'm healed from it, but because I need to check in with my doctor because I've been tripping. So, yep. But I had some health issues some time ago. And uh, one of the one of the options the doc gave me was jumping on cholesterol pills or going vegan and doing a diet. This is like when you commit to a diet and you have to keep recommitting every time somebody bring you them 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 that 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 pound cake that they just happen to make. Oh, I was just driving by, happened to have a pound cake. <laughs> Don't people do that when you're on a diet? Yep. You know, like 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 you have to keep recommitting because it it's 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 for it has a a continuous action that's going to go on with you binding yourself to this thing. And so God is saying, I want you to commit your way to me. This is what we call sanctification. Whereas we commit to the Lord and we trust in him, he's going to respond. But as we commit to the Lord, he makes us wise. But it's a choice, right? Like you have to choose to commit. You have to choose to say yes to something and no to something else. You have to choose to discipline yourself. You have to choose his wisdom. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says, and we all with unveiled face behold the glory of the Lord and are being transformed, being transformed into the same image from the one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. You see, God is having us that being transformed is the same thing as commit to the Lord your ways. Commit, commit. Why? Because it is a process by which God is working on, growing on, and developing your wisdom as you keep making decision after decision after decision to commit to him that his way is better. And so we look at these wisdom psalms because you can look at a wisdom psalm and what God is almost doing is laying out a road map to grow you in your life where he says, OK, I'm going to have you start here. And you're going to make a decision here that's going to move you up. You're going to grow a little bit more in maturity. You're going to make a decision here for me. It's going to grow you a little bit more up. Oh, you made a decision that was foolish and you chose the world there. But hey, you got back on it and you had like like each decision that we make for the Lord is one where God wants to grow us. But he keeps saying, I'm giving you a choice. What will you choose? Will you choose his ways or will you choose your ways? I've, I, I've seen God use this in my life in a variety of situations. I mean, if we just use it from the world, like like any person that's been at work, 
you you know way more about your job than you did when you started because you kept making choices to learn and grab more information that would make you a better professional and so now maybe you've moved up or maybe people come to you when they have questions because you made choices to learn more and now you have wisdom in that profession but it happens spiritually too and I, I, I share this with you uh, because I, I, I watched God do this over like a six, six or seven year period in my life. And I've seen it in others and I welcome you into it, but I, I, I pray that you uh, stick with me as I try to talk about a, a little bit of a sensitive topic. And so, uh, I, I don't remember when it first happened, but I know I was a kid uh, that was young and I and I got caught up with my homies and me and my homies found a magazine of of a lady that we had no in I no um, business looking at. But in seeing that. I then connected with my older community, whether it was family members, cousins, friends, and that was just a norm to look at that type of stuff. And that type of stuff was inappropriate as I look back as a Christian, but in that time, it was normal. So normal that we saw varying degrees of it, whether it was the Super Bowl or whether it was like how you envisioned the night before your wedding taking place as a bachelor. It was just commonplace to see all of this different type of inappropriate views of sisters. And so I became a Christian in college. And in college, I told myself, cool, I know I'm not supposed to um, have relations uh, before marriage. God says that so I can indulge in this stuff because it's not hurting anybody. But I was committed. It's committed to reading God's word. And as I read God's word, he, he, he made it clear. You can't do this, son. So I personally stopped. I personally negated those different things and said, nope, that's not right. I'm not going to do it. God made it clear. But then as I kept reading God's word and I, I kept digging in and I, I kept recommitting to who God was and all of the beauty of who he is, he began to show me more. I say, no, it's not just that you need to stop. I need you to understand the devastation that you have partaken of. Why it is that you need to stop. Look at this woman being created in my image and how you are dehumanizing her. And so I continued reading, continued committing to God, continued, and there's layer after layer God kept removing get to a point where God introduces me to some amazing people in the faith and they start saying hey this is not just something you as a person need to stop let us help you understand this is an entire industry that is built 
to enslave women. Like sadly, there's a trafficking issue that is connected to all of this and my commitment kept taking me deeper and deeper and deeper to the point where now I had to not only simply see it as a Leon issue, this became a justice issue and it being a justice issue affected my life because some people that I hold in high regard used to indulge in this. This was one of the goals of some of my friends and I. So now I have to look back and see not simply why this was wrong for me, but why this is wrong, period, for all people, because there is a system that was broken. Why do I share that? I share that because I want you to see how when we commit to Christ and we're on this process of sanctification and he keeps giving us choices, he keeps giving us options, he keeps saying, here's one step, here's another step. Will you continue to go deeper and deeper as I expose to you the depths of sin and of pain and of injustice? And it's led me to some interesting conversations. Conversations where I have shifted from being a, a person that partook to now being an advocate against it, a, a champion against it. Like as we, as we commit to the Lord, the Lord keeps revealing to us deeper and deeper understanding for his beauty and his holiness and how we are to be advocates when it seems like the world is winning. But I also wanna say that that's not just my experience. As I humbly ask my white brothers and sisters to consider just as that, that, that kind of example of lust was a, a log in my eye that the Lord slowly removed through, through me continuing to recommit, I humbly want to say that racism is a sin that is just as destructive in white culture. Racism so pervades all things that it's tough to even know when something racist is happening. That racism is one of those things that 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 when we actually pause and take an honest look at it, we got to look back and see that. Some of the family. Some of the individuals, some of the people that we we hold high actually were partakers in and uh, fanned the flame of this injustice. And why am I bringing it up today? I'm bringing it up today because right now I'm being asked to commit to so many things as a believer. Specifically as a black believer, I'm being asked to commit and say that this country is your country and celebrate the beauty of its independence. 
I'm also being asked to commit to saying this country ain't worth nothing and you defame it because look at the history that's been here and so we need to throw it all out. I'm saying let's let us wrestle with the 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 varying degrees of what's being asked of us but first let us wrestle with what is god asking of you because just as i am asking and challenging my white brothers and sisters to look at the layers of race that god wants to peel back as you continue to recommit and make choices to engage i could have stopped but as God continued to show me the depths of the problem, I kept diving in and I pray that you would as well keep diving in. But my black folks, look at verse eight. Because as I'm asking and challenging my white sisters and my white brothers and my white family to see racism as sin and as, as you are in this local body, if you're nationally connecting with us, I get it. And, and it's going to be might be a little bit tough for you. But as you are connected with this local body, you have friends and people that love you that are bringing things to the surface and to your attention. And you have opportunities to engage. But for my my, my, my black brothers and sisters and family, verse eight says, refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, because it tends only to evil. So you can, you can see the racism that's happening on one end, but you can see the hate begin to fill on the other end. It is very tough for you as a believer to be walking with the Lord to make choice after choice as god says i will grow you i'm going to sanctify you as you commit and keep committing to me as you keep making decisions for me it is very tough for you to say i'm going to hate my brother i was dehumanized so i will dehumanize you back it only leads to evil I, I, I get that in the midst of a pandemic, it has felt like every two weeks a black person is killed. Uh, excuse me, in the midst of a pandemic, tons of black people have been killed. And some folks are even saying that it's a, a made up disease that isn't true. Like that, that stuff hurts hard, hits hard. It, it, it stings. Then you have what feels like every two to three weeks is another death being caught on camera and somehow it gets explained away as to why it was right. I get that it, it builds a, a frustration, a righteous anger. But does it lead towards hate? Is that is that the choice that God is offering you? As you go deeper and deeper in him, he's saying, I want you to hate your sister. I want you to hate your brother. I want you to respond with hate. I felt the pain and the depths 
of the hurt that our nation is in. And it has only been because of God that I've been able to have a posture of love during this time. Don't get it twisted. Love is not to be confused with, with uh, complacency and being a doormat Christian. For you to be mad at injustice doesn't mean you need to go bake everybody on your block cookies to show them how much you, how, how we still are good. Like, no, it's a frustrating time. I get it. But there's no way that we can see hate being the root of God taking us deeper as we commit to him again and again. First John chapter four, verse 20 says this. First John chapter four, verse 20. It says, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And all of this is in the context of David seeing some people treating him with evil, that the, the evil is progressing, that evil seems like it's winning. And David writes this song of wisdom. Commit to the Lord your way. I don't care what they're doing. Keep making choices for God. I wish that I could tell each of you what you're supposed to be doing right now. What, what your goal is supposed to be right now. I think of the, 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 the hate that has the potential to build in African-American people. I was reading a letter that my brother wrote the other day and I think of the potential for hate that is taking place right now in Hong Kong between China and the, the new rules and principles coming in and all these things. And I'm, I'm saying, my goodness, like, like this type of oppression, how can it not bring forth hate, Lord? And my prayer is that, 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 that we would realize that God has a different way for us. It might mean some more hard combos. It might mean some more arguments. It might mean some more misunderstandings. But ultimately it means we get to a point of being able to be deeper in God. No travesty has a, a, a weight a strength that is stronger than our God, that it will drive us away from God. These things drive us to recommit, to recommit and say, God, where do you want me to choose your way next? I need you, family. If you are white in this season, I can't be God and say this has to be your topic. As I shared, God took me on a, a journey with uh, lust that was a span of years. And God might be doing something unique. I'm not saying this is the only thing that you need to be focusing on as you commit and keep going deeper in God. What I am saying is, though, it, it probably should be one of them. If our whole nation is talking about racism and much of the church is talking about racism, it'd be interesting for you to check out and not 
try to go deeper with the Lord about racism, specifically when people in your church are talking about it. My, my people of color, the potential to hate is real and is right in your face and is going to continue to be present. Will you heed to God's wisdom? Will you believe that he is in control and that evil does not win? Evil, period. Evil systems, evil police, evil pastors, evil politicians, anyone that is advancing evil will not win. Will we believe that? If so, then we will not respond with hate. We gotta respond knowing we ain't worried about what they do. We're choosing God. That is the case for all people, for white, for black, we're choosing God. My Asian brothers, sisters, we're choosing God. And so I, 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 I leave you with a couple of things. Because this, this happens in community. The more we isolate and the more I am isolated with just Facebook, I'm telling you the it's going to be dangerous, right? Because the algorithm already sends me what I like. So it just feeds the flame. It feeds the flame and makes things have the potential to be worse. But I'm, I'm crazy enough, I'm foolish enough to believe that if we commit our ways to the Lord and we trust in him, he will act. He will act. I see this being an amazing time for the church of Christ to become healthier. We got some diseases that we have to deal with, y'all. It's an amazing time for the church of Christ to become healthier. Hebrews 10, 24 says, we're not doing that off on islands. We're not doing that alone. Hebrews 10, 24 says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. That we're going to do that together in community. That I'm going to share some stuff with you that you might not like. And you, we're going to talk this thing out. We're going to work this thing out and, and get it. Hear me. Everybody ain't there yet. Don't rush up to every, every white person thinking they're ready to engage with the depths of racism. They might be at level one of just God starting to open them up. You don't rush up on a black person uh, saying, hey, man, like I know that this is wrong, but let me tell you why it's all wrong. Like, like no, like, like everybody ain't there yet. Approach people graciously. But at this time, you might just want to come to me. Let, me. let me care for you pastorally. This is why I'm here. Because every some people are more sensitive right now. You might not want to roll up with the kumbaya just yet. So come to me. If, if, if you feel like you need a place. But I love that that Jesus modeled for us this this growing in wisdom and and, and it, it was connected to his age, but it helped us understand his influence and culture. Look in Luke chapter two, verse fifty two. It says simply that Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. 
he increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. That's what I'm, I'm excited to see happen with us. As we keep committing our ways to the Lord, short, quick wisdom, that we'll be, we'll be able to have our favor with God. And God will use that to bless men. I leave you with a, a quote from Dr. King because uh, Dr. King had a lot of a lot of quotes that uh, blow me away. I'm surprised at how how radical he was because it's so counter to the to the King that I learned about in like elementary coming on up, you know, like like King's statements were like radical. And every time I read more of him, I'm blown away at how truthful and how applicable his statements are for us today. It says, uh, from uh, Strength to Love, he says, nothing in all the world is more dangerous than sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity. Sheer ignorance, sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity. Why do I say that? I say that because you can choose to say, God, you giving me option you, option God, option design by the maker and creator of all things, or I have option world. It's dangerous when we choose world. And some of us choose world out of wanting to keep being ignorant about the things that are happening. Kind of like me during my early stages of my struggle, I wanted to act like what I was doing was actually a better option than another sin. And that was just foolish. But then there's other people who conscientiously say, I know all that's there. I just don't have time to deal with it. Or I know that this problem is so big. What could I do? How could I tackle it? What could I and we choose not to engage. Don't let yourself fall into that camp. Let us grow because God is giving us opportunity to choose him every day, growing more so we look like him and we love like him. If you are a person that, that is saying, well, man, that all makes sense to me then we're happy that you're here. But if you would like to do the social aspect of caring for people and walking with people, but you've not done the spiritual aspect, which is to say, huh, my mind's now been open to who God is and I want to grow deeper in God. If you've not accepted God in your heart, then you've put the cart before the horse. Don't talk about social implications. Don't talk about racial harmony. Don't talk about serving and loving people. Don't talk about any of that if you are choosing the world over God. Today, I offer you the opportunity to say, Lord, I want to submit to you. I don't know everything it means to be a Christian, but what I do know is your wisdom is better than my wisdom. 
and that eternity is in your hands. That Jesus died so I could have eternal life. See, if you believe that even today, this would be the first day of a new relationship with God. And we are not only simply ushering you towards, encouraging you, we are asking, accept God today. Start your maturity journey. But if you've already accepted, accepted Jesus, then there's just a couple simple questions. I mean, question number one is, what, what is God continuing to show you and take you deeper in your understanding of where your heart might be breaking because you realize maybe you were the culprit or maybe you see other people as the culprit or maybe it's an injustice that you see is wrong. I don't know. And I can't tell you the response. The only response is Facebook and you go do 400 posts on Facebook and Instagram. No, like, I don't know what your response is. I trust God to make you respond. But the second thing is you got to respond. In whatever way God is leading you, you have to respond. You have to, as I said, I think in verse three, befriend faithfulness. You have to respond in a faithful manner because God wants us all to see his beautiful creation as being a reflection of him. That's why we can't hate. That's why we're called to love because we constantly see God when we see one another, even when we see Satan duping someone else and that person hating us. We know that they were still created in God's image and our hate towards them is a hate towards the father, one who we could never hate. And so my question to you is what injustice is he showing you? And what does it look like for you to faithfully respond? Let us pray. Father, we will not declare our independence, but we will lean into depending on thee. You are worth it all and you develop us and make us to look more like you. Guide us on this day that we might be able to say, we choose you again and again. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, family, for uh, celebrating our King. I want to continue in that celebration. Man. God, I pray for people who are uh, struggling with the weight of all this. I pray, Lord, for people who are... Uh, wanting to grow and feel like they don't know how. I pray for people who are scared. I pray for people who are so angry and so hurt. Lord, I just pray that your spirit will fall upon your people. That you being present in our lives makes a difference. That the hurt that is here Father, that you would come and care for us. 
and that we, your people, united would not fret, that we would not worry, because we know you got this and you got us. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.